good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to be here. This is the day that the Lord has made. You know, whether it's sunny, not sunny, we will rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are. We th I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and the privilege that I have, Lord, to preach your word. Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that you would uh, preach through me. Lord God, that you would speak your word to your people. And Lord, that you would uh, bless them, Lord God, that you would meet with them, Father, just like you met with Moses. And their lives, Lord God, would be transformed and renewed by the power of your word. We thank you. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, as you can see, my name is Jacques, and I'm one of the assistant pastors here at, this, at South Oaks Church. And uh, when I was asked to, you know, preach today, and, uh, you know, I really, and then Pastor Stephen Sunday said, you can preach on whatever you want. And I know that, you know, <laughs> you better preach on something that was meaningful and I'm preaching on Romans 12 today, verse 1 and 2, only two verses. And the reason I'm preaching on this verse is because 30 years ago, uh, 1991, I think it's a long time ago, when I first became a Christian and I stumbled on those two verses and I realized going to church was not just something that requires, it required much more. I realized there was much more in my life and that God wanted and... You know, and I'll explain that to you in a little bit. In Romans 12, it says, Therefore, Paul saying, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And uh, I want to preach today about, you know, the, the transformation power of the gospel. You know, the gospel is not something that you and I hear and then we got saved, but it's much more than that. It's about being transformed. And in uh, this particular passage, Paul started with therefore. It's because he's referring back to chapter 11 where he's telling, he's re, uh, giving an encounter how God is going to save the Jews, how the Gentile was how able to, you know, join with the gospel and be saved. He's talking about the power of the gospel in it, and he said, then therefore, He's talking about because God has such a great power to save both the Jews and the Gentile. He said, therefore. And, uh, to, and when he talks about that, he's talking about the power of the gospel because in Romans 1, verse 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone. Who believes? First to the Jews, then to the Gentiles. You see, the gospel has the power to save everyone who believes. There's no limit. There's no limit. 
And in the Old Testament, he's talking about for us to offer our body as a living sacrifice. Because in the Old Testament, the Jews, even some of the Gentiles, they offer sacrifice too. They offer sacrifice to false God. But the Jews understand exactly what Paul is talking about. He said, Paul said, because in the Old Testament, sacrifice was important because God requires it. But also, Paul is saying at this point, you know, even in the Old Testament, God made it clear that, you know, obedience in the heart is more important. And the reason he said that is because if you know that very clearly in 1 Samuel verse, chapter 15, verse 22, this is when we're sold actually disobey God. He disobeyed God. And Samuel said, reply and said to him, does the Lord delight in burns offering and sacrifice as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of ram. Because Paul, Saul at this point, instead of obeying God, he decided to do his own thing. And we know that God wasn't pleased with him. And even at the time where God asked people to offer sacrifice of animal, that he requires obedience from the heart. Obedience from the heart. And, and you know, in this verse it says, Paul is urging the people in view of God's mercy. Why do you think Paul is urging the people, or, you know, making an appeal in view of God's mercy? Why? Anybody. You're not going to be wrong. You're not going to be wrong. His mercy is the one that gives them the ability. Anybody else? His love? Yes? Because of something that you feel and experience. I, I believe that Paul is urging the, the Christian in view of God's mercy because he wants to guarantee them that God's going to treat them well. You know, because it's one thing to tell me to offer myself to somebody, but I want to know how they're going to treat me. But you know how they're going to treat me? Because Paul said, in views of God's mercy. One other thing I can tell you for sure is that actually God knows how to treat us better than ourselves. You know why? Because he's the one who made us. <laughs> I mean, you and I have things in our body we have no clue how they work. They just work. <laughs> we just enjoy the benefit, you know. They work. But God knows exactly <laughs> how they operate because he's the one who made us. You know, because over and over in Scripture, you know, <laughs> God's word revealed to us that God is a God of mercy. The enemy doesn't want you to know that God is a God of mercy. Because that's the last thing he wants you to believe. Because you know why? When something bad happened to you or something, you're in trouble, you're not going to run to God. You're going to stay alone, you know. Because if he can make you think that God is not pleased with you, he doesn't want, even want to see you because you're bad. That's the lie of the enemy, my friend. But 
Because of God is a God of mercy, we can actually voluntarily offer ourselves to him. Because we know one thing, that God has good and perfect plans for our lives. You and I came to know God's plan for us, you know, to do ministry <laughs> once we grow up. He, God knows those things even before we were born. That's why, <laughs> you know, don't focus on your inability or what you can't do. No, just trust and lean on God because he's the one who's going to do it. Now, what, where would we be without God's mercy? Where would we be? Do you, where, where would you be? That's a question for all of us. Where would you be without God's mercy? In the mess. In the mess. A big mess. Probably be dead. Probably be dead. <laughs> In trouble. <laughs> yep. You know, we said that already, that God is a God of mercy. But sometimes I think it's good to, you know, to see it in the word of God. In Psalm 109, verse 21, he said, But you, God, the Lord, deal kindly with me for the sake of your name. Because your mercy is good, rescue me. You see, God deal with us kindly, gently, because of who he is. In Micah 7, verse 18, he says, who is, like our, who is a God like you, who pardons wrongdoing and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possession, and he does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy? He delights in mercy. See, when God is asking you and I to give all to him, he knows what he has for you and I. And uh, when it, like I said before, when it comes to God's mercy, the enemy will lie to you. And lie to you because he doesn't want you to know that. And even in Psalm 30, verse 5, he says, Scripture tells us that even when God is angry at us, he says, for his anger lasts only a moment. But his favor a lifetime. And one of the perfect stories I can tell you who display God's love and mercy is the story of the prodigal son. Think about the prodigal son at home, you know, has all his wealth. He's living a good life at home. He decided, you know what, I'm going to ask my dad to give me my inheritance because I want to go and live my own life. And when he asked for his inheritance, we know that scripture tells us his father gave him his inheritance. He took off. Life was good for a while. Until one day, he ran out of money. Even the job that he has, he's not getting fed well. Because once you're eating with the pigs, that tells you how low you are. Eating with the pigs. But somehow, the Bible says that he came to his senses. In verse 21 in Luke 15, verse 11 to 32, and, and he says he came to his senses and said, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my dad I have sinned against you. I have sinned against heaven. I'm no longer, I'm no longer <laughs> deserved to be treated like a son. Hire, you know, consider me as one of your servants. But this is what it says in verse 20. It says, 
in Luke 15, he says, uh, 15, I think. He says, but while he was still a long way off, <laughs> his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arm around him and kissed him. Think about this. A guy who disowned his dad, take his inheritance and kind of waste, squander it, and now decide to come back home. But it says that while he was far away, I'm thinking probably this guy probably just made the first step. He probably made the first step and God saw him coming home. That's all he was waiting for. There was nowhere in the scripture in that passage we see God uh, uh, condemn, rebuke, you know, tell him how bad he was because he squandered all those wealth, his, uh, you know, his inheritance. Instead, one thing that we know, there was a party and there was a lot of rejoicing because he was lost and now he is found. And so, Paul is urging the Christian, because this message is for people that are already Christian following the Lord. He's talking about believers. He urged them in views of God's mercy to offer themselves, you know, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. And Paul is not giving the, the, the believers a, a command. He, he's not asking them either, but he's actually giving them giving them a challenge because there's more to experience once you know the Lord. There's a lot more to experience. You can always grow when you're following the Lord. It doesn't matter how old you are. I'm glad that there's a certain age you would have to be and you can't grow. No, in the Lord you can always grow deeper in your relationship with him because there's more to experience. There's more to experience um, because the gospel has the power to transform, to change life. But it's up to you and I, you know, to kind of surrender to God to allow that to happen. Because God is not a God who's going to force you to do things to obey. No, he's going to be good to you, be merciful to you. It's for you to draw closer to him is for you to come closer to him because the gospel has the power to transform our lives to put us in a new relationship with God to rescue mankind and Paul was making some some uh, like when Paul talk about offer ourselves as a, li a living sacrifice he's not he's using a metaphor he's not asking us to kind of like you know Caught ourselves and you know as an offering the some some of the pagan in the in the Old Testament do those kind of things, but what he was basically talking is that for us to give ourselves to God, give ourselves to God because God is interested not in you making a commitment to follow him, he's interested in having your whole life under his control. remember like I said before, God made you. He knows everything about you. And he, he, can, he is the only one who can make things work perfectly the way they should be. And, and, and one of the things that I, I love about God is that though he's powerful, 
omnipotent, all-powerful. Though he can, he never imposed things on us. He gave us a choice. He made, he made, the, 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 he made it clear what he expects, but it's for you and I, it's for us to draw closer to him, to willingly come to him, because God gave us the best gift. He, gave, he has one and only son he gave it to save us. I mean, <laughs> you and I shouldn't, you know, hold anything back. I mean, you shouldn't hold. No matter what you give back to God is not going to compare to what has been given to you. And in Jeremiah 11, verse 13, he said, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. If you want to experience all that God has for you, guess what? Seek God with your whole heart. Hold nothing back. Hold nothing back. Because when we, you know, when we daily follow the Lord as he guiding us, you know, as he, you know, leading us, The sacrifice, when we do those kind of things, it is pleasing unto God. i never seen anyone who surrendered to the Lord and get disappointed after surrendering to God. All of them said, I'm, I'm so glad I did because there's so much more that i able to receive from the God. And if I didn't surrender, I would have missed on all those things. And then he talks about when we surrender ourselves to God, it's an act of worship. You know, playing guitar, singing song, they good. God is pleased when we do those, those kind of things, but he's more pleased when we offer ourselves, pretty much put us under his, you know, his control so that he can use us, so that he can do what he pleased with us. Like I said, Sometimes God will tell you something you feel you're uncomfortable. Well, you may feel uncomfortable because God tells you to do it, but trust me, you can do it. <laughs> There's been a, quite a few times in my life and God will give me a word for someone and I say, oh, Lord, why do you tell me this? I mean, you could just speak to the person yourself. Now you get me into this. But guess what? I seek the Lord because for some reason, I felt like I need to tell them. And I wait for the right time. I pray about it. And guess what? When I tell them what the Lord has put on my heart, it was well received. Somehow God, God prepared, you know, the way. And because he gave me the word, he could have told the person himself, but he chose me as a vehicle because I was available to him to use me. So not only we can serve God, you know, we can worship God with instrument, uh, you know, with music, no music. As a matter of fact, you don't have to have any music to worship God at all. <laughs> I, I worship God in the shower. I, I, it's kind of weird, but I, I, I don't mind doing it because you know what? If this is the way I, because you know why? I start my day by, you know, waking up. I go to take a shower. 
I sing in the shower. I think it's a good thing. I sing in the shower because that's letting me know I need to read the word and pray. And I do that for some reason. I have no idea why I do that, but I keep doing it. And it's not like I prepare a song. It's like whatever the Lord puts on my heart while I'm taking a shower, I just, I just sing. I just worship the Lord because it's a good way to start the day. It's a good way to start the day. And uh, like I said before, when you surrender your life to God, you will never regret it. You will never regret it. Because when we offer our body to God, that means God's going to use us, uh, use us as an instrument of righteousness. And when we refuse to surrender to God, then guess what? The enemy will use our bodies for, you know, instrument of unrighteousness. That's basically what it is. Because whatever is in the heart, whatever is in you, will manifest itself to your body. And that's why it says in Romans 6.13, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. As an instrument of righteousness. And the second verse, the second verse 2 says, you know, do not conform yourself to the pattern of this world. Not, what, is, what does it mean to conform according to the pattern of this world? What does it mean to conform to something? That's a question for you. Like I said, you will pass. You will not fail. As long as you contribute. To be like something else. Anybody else? To conform? Pretty much, when I look what the word conform means, it's meant to make similar or the same. To give one thing the characteristic of something else. To to kind of be mold and shape by something else. Now, being conformed to the pattern of this world, I can tell you, that's the greatest enemy you and I have. After the devil himself. <laughs> that's the, because that's what he's going to use to kind of draw you back. He's going to try to make you conform to the pattern of this world, what's around you. Basically, we know we say politically correct, religiously, whatever. You know, he's going to use those kind of things to kind of make you more acceptable. No. I, I want to I do God's will whether somebody thinks I'm acceptable or not. As long as I'm respectful to you, that's what mattered to me. And the, I think the reason he's talking about not to conform to the pattern of this world is because once you allow the world to conform you, to mold you and shape you, into his mold, then he, the, the enemy doesn't have to worry about you anymore. But I'm glad he's, he, Paul says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but also he says, be transformed by the room of the mind. It doesn't stop there. Because there's a lot of people who don't like a lot of things in the world that are happening in the world, but yet they are not transformed because they don't, they don't allow the Holy Spirit, they don't allow Christ in their life to transform them. 
because we need to know that when it comes to the, the, the pattern, of the custom of this world, because the Bible says we are a stranger in this world. So therefore, yes, I'm living in the world, I'm relating to people, but I know this is what I follow. This is what I go by. And if it's not in there, it's not for me. If it's not in there, it's not for me. Because not only, you know, when we are born again, when we are, you know, accept Christ, that's just the beginning. The Holy Spirit now going to start teaching you, re-educate you, you know, renew your mind the way you think, redirect you the way you live your life. It's a process. It's a process. You and I get to experience because, you know, God, when he, he, when he saved your life, he doesn't just give you salvation, but he, his intention is to transform you totally. Because in Romans 8, verse 29, it says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. To be like Jesus, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And in Ephesians 1, verse 11, it says, In him we are also chosen, having predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with purpose of his will. You see, God has a plan, not only to save you, but to make you more like Christ. <laughs> it's a good thing, but, I, 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 but when it comes to the world, we all know two weeks ago we preached, <laughs> you know, Palm Sunday, they, they shout, and then the next week, crucify him. You can see how the world, <laughs> when you become like Christ, you know, some people are going to like you and some people are going to not like you. That's okay, because the love that matters the most is the love of the Father for you. That's what matters the most. As long as God, God is pleased with me, he loves me, that's the, that's the most important thing I can have in my life. That's the most important thing I can have in my life. Because God wants us to transform us. He wants us to live a new life because we are born again. Because in, in, in I think in 2 Corinthians 18, he talks about the, you know, he talks about, you know, us being, because it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, so we all who unveil faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image in ever-increased glory, which come from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God wants to transform you more and more like him. In Ephesians, it says, in Ephesians 2, verse 22 and 24, it says, You were thought in regard to the former life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by, the, by its deceitful desire, to be made new in the attitude of our mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And this is one of those things I always do because <laughs> I don't know how to put off the old self and put on the new self. I pray for God to do that for me. I pray for the Holy Spirit to remove 
anything that has to be removed, and we place it with what God desires. You know what I mean? Because certain things, we read it in Scripture, we know what it says, but how do we do it? It's hard, but I, in my prayers, I always ask the Holy Spirit to do that for me. Even the fruit of the Spirit, even the armor of God, you can't do that on your own. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit can. And, uh, and the last part of the verse, it says that uh, then you'll be able to <laughs> test and approve God's will which is good and pleasing, you know, and perfect. Now, think about this. God has a plan for everyone. He has the plan. But it's, for, it's up to you and I to find out, to discover what the plan is. <laughs> He's not going to give it to you, the whole plan. No, that's not going to happen because that's his plan. As you walk with him, as you follow him, he's going to reveal his plan to you day by day. Because there's a lot of people, if God showed them the plan that he has, they will start running. Because they'll think, no, I can't do that. You mean I have to go far away? No, for how long? No, I can't do this. But God will reveal his plan to you. He'll tell you his, you are called to the ministry. That's what he's going to tell you for now. And then as you and I being obedient to him, he will reveal more. He will reveal more. Because that's God's plan. It's not your plan. It's not my plan. And one of the things that we know, we don't want to be like the Pharisees, right? They know the word of God. They should have been the one who knew the, God, the will of God when Jesus showed up. But yet they decide, you know what, we don't like this. It doesn't fit the, the mold that we have. We're not going to accept it. A lot of them refuse the baptism of John Baptist because if they're being baptized by John, then therefore they have to follow Christ. And they don't want to. You see, God's plan is not going to come to the package you and I expect. But one thing that we know, he knows best and he desires best for us. He desires best for us. Because the scripture tells us that in Isaiah 25, verse 1, it says, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name. For you have worked wonders, plans forms long ago with perfect faithfulness. Plans form long ago. Do you know... <laughs> This is how good God is. Do you know 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, God gave me a, a, a vision where I, I see myself in the United States, a small church. Perhaps, I think it's Suffolk, but I'm just going to call it. Maybe it's Suffolk. Myself in a small church. Now, it was God revealing his plan. I have no idea what I have a dream. I'm in a small church, you know, with people, most people who don't look like me. And, and I'm like, okay, God, what does it mean? And guess what? I didn't want, I didn't have to know the answer of the plan. All I do is follow God. Here I am today at Suffolk. God will lead you according to the plan he has for you as you obey him. As you obey him. Because in Jeremiah 29, 
Verse 11, he said, For I know the plan that I have for you, declared the Lord. Plan to prosper you, not to harm you. I love this one. Not to harm you. I said, I mean, even when God spanks you, I think it's a good thing because he, he's your dad. I mean, he knows what he's doing. But, and, and plan to give you a hope in the future. That means the plan that God has for you and I, it's not just for this earth. <laughs> it's for eternity. We get to experience right now just a tiny bit of it, but it's a plan for eternity. I love it says for the future. That means it's never end. <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, how can you and I experience the transformation transforming power of God. How can you and I experience that? Well, first, voluntarily surrender your life to God. Because God is not going to force you to surrender to him. You have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm going to give you everything. Do that. And this is one of the things I can, I'm going to give you a guarantee. I'm going to, in that particular, you can guarantee you're not going to be disappointed. If you surrender your life to God. And the second thing you have to do is you have to allow God to transform you from the inside out. Because the Holy Spirit, God's word, <laughs> is the one that can do the work. Not you and I. We, I'm glad I'm not in charge to transform myself. <laughs> you know, God giving me the word and now I'm the one to do that. No. He just may want me to be in his word, and then the Holy Spirit will do the work. And then the third thing I would encourage you to do is to embrace, embrace God's will for your life. <laughs> you know, I try to wrestle with God <laughs> to not come to Minnesota because I want to get to go to Texas instead. You know, I, <laughs> I'm looking at all the college in Texas. Texas here, man, Texas Christian University. I'm all the, somewhere south. I don't want Minnesota because it's cold. But God knows I want you to come to Minnesota. I have nobody in Minnesota because the majority of the people that were my, my supporters was from Fort Worth, Texas. I wanted to be in Texas, then that's where my supporters are. But God said, nope, you're going to Bethany. And this particular passage that I preached to you this morning, this is one of those passages. When I came across this, I, was, I, I have the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm following God. But there were still things that I, they were not sin, but I, I, I just didn't, <laughs> I just didn't want to give it to God. Because, I mean, if I give it to God, that means I have nothing. But one thing, and one day I was praying, I said, Lord, I'm going to, you know, what? I, this is what your word says. I'm going to give you everything and see what you can do. I, I, basically, I gave God a challenge. I said, I'm going to give my life to you and see what you can do. And I can guarantee you, at that point, God started to reveal that he has planned for my life. And guess what? Life has become... A lot more peaceful because I know the plan is not in my hand. I just have to follow him. And I don't regret that. I don't regret not only accepted the Lord but surrendered my life to him. Because 
when I was in Haiti, I didn't have a college degree after high school. I didn't have anything. Right now, I can tell you that the Lord has blessed me in so many ways with people like you, with the church. And he has not only placed me in the ministry, he gave me the calling where I can help people. Everything that I'm doing right now is because of my, me surrendering to God. And I can tell you, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. You're not going to regret it. Would you please stand and bow your heads with me? And if you would like to make a commitment to offer yourself as a living sacrifice and to be transformed inside out and embrace God's will for you, would you please, would you mind raising your hand? Thank you. And some of you here or online may be watching this message. You may not be a believer, but today is the day you can give your life to God because Christ died for your sin and you can experience God's plan for you. And I hope you, you do that. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, Father, for your word today that give us a challenge, Lord, to offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice and to be transformed by you. And then, Lord, we can experience the plan and the good thing that you have for us. Today, Lord, I pray that no one will hold anything back. Father God, they will give you everything, full access to their the hearts and their lives, and Lord, that you would be in charge. God, we just thank you for the fact that the gospel has the transforming power, Father God, to not only bring salvation, but also, Lord God, to make us live like Christ does when he was on earth. Lord, we just thank you, Father, for who you are, and we give you the praise and the glory that you alone deserve. Thank you, Lord. Would you, if, you, if you're here, I want you to say this with me. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in my life right now in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord, may the, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.